Let us begin with the Gayatri prayer. Please join me in offering this most ancient and sublime invocation. Om. Let us meditate on the glory of that effulgent reality from whom the whole universe is projected. May that enlighten our mind. For just a few moments, let us become calm and subjective, practicing meditation with devotion and determination. At this time, will you please take the prayer book, Prayers of Self-Realization, and turn to prayer number 40, which may be found on page 64. 
slowly and reverently, let us pray. Above everything else, let me be true to myself. Let my conscience join with me before the light of truth, that I may reveal myself unto my true self. Let every bit of me be exposed by the radiance of pure truth, that I may discern the motives of my mind and the desires of my heart. Engrossed in the world of objective aspiration, mind loses sight of subjective idealism. When the senses rule the mind, it fails to hear the guiding voice of soul. Let me enter into the innermost depth of my conscience, that no guile may cloud my consciousness. Let me know what I am with all my faults and frailties, as well as my virtues and righteousness, that I may forsake the falsity of life by the wisdom of truth and discrimination. There is a power of purity that fills mind, heart, and soul with the omnipotence of God, and there is a feeling of blessed joy in self-purification, whose glow can never be dimmed by the glitter of evanescent pleasures. Amen. We take this time each week for our subjective meditation and worshipful contemplation. Even though we aren't able to be together in our blessed sanctuary, we share the thought and ideal, the philosophy and devotion. By this spiritual communion, we make our offering before the altar of truth. This altar is much larger than the wooden altar of our church. It is the entire universe of creation. At this altar, we witness the exquisiteness in the setting sun, the symphony in a waterfall, the sublimity of the tree, the bliss of the mountain. Yet even the chemistry of a living organism is no less beautiful than the poetry of an unfolding blossom. There is a divine mystery hidden within everything and especially within our innermost being. It is a mystery only because we have not yet gained the full comprehension of its glory. When we finally gain realization 
of even a small fraction of that mystery. What is revealed? What do we see? What do we know? Let us take an illustration that might give us a little perspective. I know, and I'm sure you do too, of many people who lately are participating in the act of assembling puzzles. Yes, puzzles. Large puzzles, small puzzles. Perhaps you yourself have found such enjoyment. Some feel quite accomplished when they complete a 500 or 1,000 piece puzzle. What is revealed in the process? We begin with an image, seeing a picture of how the end result should appear, and fitting together piece after piece that seem to be connected in design and color, finding the right pieces that fit together perfectly. We might look into this a little more deeply. Essentially, we are looking for the perfection of the whole, of the whole puzzle all put back together. Now keep in mind that perfect image. We gradually work at it each day, finding all the connections that will make it one entire whole. Do you see that there is a meditation, even in the simple act of assembling a puzzle? Think of it. All of life becomes that puzzle. Finding joy and beauty in the act of seeing the perfection of the whole. Knowing that it is there all the while, yet it requires effort to draw together all those elements, all those pieces. There is a joy in the completion, and yet we desire the effort so greatly that we again want to work on a new puzzle, perhaps one that is yet a little more challenging. We desire to go through this mental process of putting ourselves to the task of complete absorption with the activity, of seeking and finding what makes everything whole, one, and perfect. We derive enjoyment equally in the process and in the goal. And sometimes we discover that a piece is missing. 
and we look high and low for it. But we cannot find it. When that piece is missing, what do we do? How do we respond? How we respond speaks volumes about us. Do we grow angry or disappointed? Do we surrender to it and say, well, if I had that piece, it would go right here? Or do we make a new piece to replace the missing one? What do we do? How do we act? Meditation, meditation is the surrender of soul to the beauty and perfection of God. But that doesn't tell us how, how to surrender the soul unto that beauty and perfection. It is up to us. It is up to us to reveal the divine mystery within our innermost being. It is up to us to find that missing piece. Each Sunday during our worship service, we join together in offering expressions of a universal ideal of absolute monism. These expressions, these eternal truths, have been gathered for us from the scriptures of humanity, from the Rig Veda and the Upanishads, from the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, the Quran, and the Avesta. Please join me in offering these eternal truths. I am an absolute monist. I believe truth is one. Men call it by various names. God, Brahman, is consciousness, existence, bliss, absolute. Everything is the manifestation of God, the divine reality. The soul of man is of identical nature with the God of the universe. Make thine own self pure by good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Realize thyself by the realization of one's own self, the absolute self is realized. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. He who realizes God becomes one with God. I am that I am. I and my Father are one. I am Brahman, the Absolute Self. At this time, our scriptural reading will be offered by Nila Menendo. A reading from Srimad Bhagavad Gita, translated by Swami Pramananda. Arjuna said, O Krishna, from thee have I heard of the origin and dissolution 
of all that comes into being, and also of the imperishable greatness of thy divine self. Even as thou hast declared thy divine self, so do I desire to see thy godly form. O Lord, if thou thinkest that it can be seen by me, O master of yoga, then show me thy cosmic manifested self. The blessed Lord said, Behold, my cosmic form of different kinds, various colors and shapes by hundreds and thousands. Here and now, behold the whole universe with all that is moving and non-moving, unified in this body of mine and whatever else thou desirest to perceive. But with these objective eyes of thine, thou canst not see. Therefore, I awaken in thee thy divine sight. Behold, my supreme yoga power. Sunjaya said, O king, having spoken thus, Hari, the great lord of yoga, then showed unto the son of Pritha this cosmic divine form. With many faces and eyes, with limitless powers of supreme manifestation adorned with innumerable divine ornaments of celestial beauty, wearing celestial garlands, anointed with transporting fragrance, the all-glorious, self-effulgent, infinite, whose presence is manifested everywhere. Arjuna said, God, I rejoice in seeing what I have never seen before, yet my mind is troubled with fear. Therefore show me the other benign form of thine. O God of gods, O abode of the universe, have mercy. I desire to see thee as I beheld thee before. O thou cosmic form, manifest thyself in that accustomed form of thine. The blessed Lord said, O Arjuna, revealing myself by my own yoga power, I have shown thee out of my grace. This effulgent, infinite, primeval, supreme embodiment of mine. This is my cosmic form. Be not frightened. Cast away fear and let thy heart rejoice. Behold again this other benign form of mine. Arjuna said, Beholding again this thy benign form, my heart is filled with joy and I have regained the innate serenity of my soul. And the blessed Lord said, Indeed, it is extremely difficult to gain the vision of this form of mine which thou hast seen. Only by absolute bhakti, all-absorbing devotion, may I be seen in this form, known in my reality, and realized in my perfection. One who works for me is devoted to me and free from attachment and bears no enmity toward any being in the world of creation, alone becomes one with me. At this time, will you please take the prayer book, Prayers of Self-Realization, and turn to prayer number two, 
which may be found on page 20. Slowly and devotedly, let us pray. Awaken me to thy unconditional and everlasting truth, which remains unchanged through all eternity. Give me the vision of the spiritual oneness of all humanity and of all beings and all objects of thy vast and magnificent universe. Life, through all its complexities, progresses to one ideal of liberation in thy cosmic existence. I seek thy perfection of transcendental peace, Great souls illumined in their conscious identity with thee have held the light of thy wisdom before my struggling heart to guide me to thy perfection. In the realization of thy perfection, I recognize my own absolute perfection. I am transcendental peace. Amen. At this time, please join us in offering the hymn, Open My Eyes That I May See. offering the prayer of devotion by Swami Yogananda Paramansa, the Guru Preceptor of our Church. Heavenly Father, may Thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of my devotion, and may I be able to awaken Thy love in all hearts. Om. Peace. Amen. What is vision? What is true vision? Is it 
wisdom? Wisdom is seeing beyond the surface of things. But what does it see? Does it see an unfolding plan? Some cosmic plan for us, for others, for the world in which we live? Does vision bring the world into focus? Does it bring ourselves, our inner selves, into focus? Our vision has power. Our vision has the power to influence our path and that of countless others. We experience only a small portion of what effect it has. What vision do we seek? What aids do we have to guide our vision? As a young college student, I had the opportunity to work in a place that offered something called visual therapy. Perhaps you are familiar with this practice, or perhaps not. It entails various exercises to help one focus the eyes, to help gradually improve vision and overcome changes that weaken the eyes. For example, someone who has had a stroke and begins to experience blurred or double vision. These exercises would help to lessen and diminish that double vision. And children who are on the cusp of needing glasses might participate in these exercises and activities to help prevent the eventual need for prescription lenses. Or someone who has what is often referred to as a lazy eye would be able to gradually still the eye and focus the vision. This practice of visual therapy is scientifically based, but there are different opinions on its effectiveness. In essence, it is a means of training the eye, training the eye. Now we've heard this expression in relation to art and photography, not so much in terms of technique, but in terms of creative vision, training the eye. After all, doesn't the musician work to train the ear? Perhaps not just to the sensory experience, but to something more profoundly beautiful. Then there are, of course, many aids in the form of lenses that help us to see 
beyond our usual range of vision. Think of all the variety of aids we have for the activity of our two eyes of external vision. Glasses, contact lenses, binoculars, telescope, magnifier, microscope. These aids help in taking our vision closer and farther than we ever could with the naked eye. And we ask ourselves, what vision do we seek? The answer will determine the aid we use, will it not? Do we seek that which brings into focus the flapping of a hummingbird's wing? Or do we want to see the rings of Saturn? Are we trying to see the load that the tiny ant carries? Or are we trying to see the cellular activity of an organism? What kind of vision is aided by each glass and prism in our toolbox of visual aids? What vision of the material world are we trying to reach? Of course, Bringing that vision of the external world into perspective requires inner vision. It requires introspection and the ability to see beyond the surface in order to understand the source of what we see. to know the divinity that resides within every form. Meditation is our aid to such inner vision. But what do we attempt to see with this inner vision? How do we focus the eye of inner illumination we read in the Bhagavad Gita that what is truly perceived by inner vision is the essence of creation. Light of a variegated spectrum of radiance. All that we see is made visible by light. And our inner vision is a revelation of light. The universe of creation is a reflection of divine perfection. In order to perceive this, we might do well to examine the mirror by which we see the reflection. From there on, we begin to recognize both the reflection and its source. 
Only in a clean mirror do we see clearly our own reflection. Only in pure consciousness is the beauty of perfection revealed. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our heart is a mirror. We have to keep our heart polished so that it reflects clearly the love of God, the love of soul, the love of all beings. From the Bible, the book of Corinthians, we read that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. Love never fails. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let us see through the mirror clearly. Let us keep our heart polished that we may see and know fully the perfection of love. Consider the avatar. Though we have a modern day connotation of avatar in our digital world, think of its meaning in the ancient tradition of the deity incarnate on earth as an embodiment of the absolute. From the Sanskrit abha, meaning luminous reflection, we come to abhatar. In this mirror, we see divinity reflected in ourselves. Avatar is that which is the mirror to our own spirituality, where we see divinity most clearly. Nature is avatar, reflecting and revealing God to us at every instance. True devotees of God find avatars throughout the universe. They see God everywhere and always. All duality is a reflection of the Supreme. All of nature 
is the cosmic form of God. We see this vision before our eyes each day, each moment. But do we realize the fullness of this vision? We seek the full vision of life. But just as Arjuna requests of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita to receive Vishwarupa Darshan, vision of the cosmic form of God, we too may ask for the fullness of spiritual vision. But once we attain it, what do we do with it? If the form of God is all time, all space, and causality, how do we live with this vision? How does it shape our life? In the Gita, Arjuna thinks he will comprehend the infinite by holding in view all the length and breadth of creation, past, present, and future, as well as the magnitude and the diminutiveness of space. Think of a scientist reaching for the farthest points in space and time, and likewise into the smallest microcosm. But is this knowledge of the cosmic form the same as knowledge of the infinite and eternal? We may gain knowledge of the forms, but what creates wisdom of the formless? The rishis are the seers of the Vedas, seers of wisdom. How do we see wisdom? How does this vision come to our inner eye? How is it experienced? by the indwelling self. The universe of time and space brings with it endless mystery. As far as we extend our mental grasp, it recedes to infinitely greater expanse and multiformity. Such is the way the divine perfection permeates the entire universe. Our spiritual life is based on the realization of that divine presence within and around us. Our inner vision reminds us of our spiritual identity with all of creation. We don't merely want to see all the forms of nature, 
Just as Arjuna asked to see the full cosmic form of God, we want to experience the essence of all the forms of nature. The divine perfection of God's cosmic form. We cannot see every inch of God's creation, but we can come closer to its source. We often hear the phrase that human beings are created in the image of God. What does that image reveal to us? Amen. Thank you. Will you all now please fold your hands and place them at your hearts with consciousness lifted to the supreme self of us all. Together, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Grant us, O Lord, the realization of thy presence, peace, and perfection within us and all beings, now and forevermore. Amen.